Let's put our hands together for, the, for God this morning. Hallelujah. Just before we start, I, I, wanna, I know we've worshiped together, but I just want to continue to create an atmosphere for our Father to dwell in today. So can we just close our eyes and prepare our hearts just to receive all that he has for us? Let's just begin. If you haven't already, uh, we believe that in worship is not just through song, but it's also through you opening your mouth and just beginning to speak to your Father. So just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thanking you for giving me a new opportunity to have life. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, Lord. We thank you for, for giving us air that's circulating through our lungs. Just begin to lift your hands if you want. Just so even you can wave God, and that's a form of worship. If you stomp your feet, that's a form of worship. So we just want to worship you today, Lord. We thank you, Father God. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Don't be far from me. I'm here waiting on you. God, I'm not moving. I'm here waiting on you. Don't be far from me. I'm here waiting on you. Thank you, Jesus. God, I'm not moving. I'm here waiting on you. One more time. Say, don't be far from me. Don't be far from me. I'm here waiting on you. Say, God, I'm not moving. God, I'm not moving. I'm here waiting on you. Something shifting in the atmosphere. See, don't be far. Don't be far from me. I'm here waiting. So, Father God, we come before you right now. We thank you for this moment that you've given us to be in your presence. Father, we know today in this country we are, we are celebrating our independence as a country. But, Father, right now we want to give you glory, honor, and praise for our freedom and our independence as children of God. Father, we thank you for another opportunity that you're giving us to live freely. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ that allows us to be able to call you our Father, that allows us to be able to walk with you and talk with you, that allows us to be able to lift our hands in freedom, that allows us to be able to cry out to you and you are on the other end listening. Father, so today we pray that you will have your way in this time. We thank you for this time that we have to dig into your word. And my prayer, Father, is that you will use all of me, that you will use every single a word that I may say. May it be life-giving, Lord, not because it's coming from me, but because of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me. 
in the name of Jesus I pray let God's children say amen 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 give God a shout of praise right now in this place hallelujah so for those of you who don't know me my name is uh, Pastor Will Bullock. I am blessed to be the lead pastor of Jubilee Worcester. We are a church that God has called to this county, to this area. Um, we moved here about two years ago. Uh, my lovely wife, uh, Deborah, here in the front row. Can you just wave your hand? Then I have uh, my, my, my oldest son, my Jackson. He's nine years old. Uh, my daughter, Ella, who is seven. My daughter, Aria, who is five. Um, I'm also blessed. You have to give me a second, y'all, because I have family in the room. I'm also blessed to have my, my not just my, my, my in-laws, my mother and father-in-law, but they are the, the people who started Jubilee Christian Church. They are the people whose shoulders I stand on. Um, today. Um, so over 39 years, they stepped out in faith so that I could be here with you today. And, and as I was singing, I heard a yeah in the room. And there's only one person that can say yeah like that. And that is my senior pastor. And my senior pastor is Pastor Matt and Pastor Mona Thompson this morning. So I I am excited because this is the first time in over a year that I actually get to preach to people. I, I, <laughs> I, have, um, I have mastered the art of speaking to a camera, but, but today we are going to try something a little bit different. Amen? So um, if, are you ready? Are you ready to hear the word? So I know that we are going to eat physically later, but are you ready for some spiritual food today? All right, all right. Thank you. Put our hands together for Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. So I know I'm watching the clock, and I'm gonna. I know we have plans. You know, I, I was praying that that God would let the weather be okay for us to have a cookout today. But I think God wants us to hear something today. So that, that may be why there's a little bit of overcast out there. Um, but we're going to jump in. I know for the, past, for the past few months you have been looking at the book of Hebrews. And um, I'm going to be obedient to Pastor Tom. I know Pastor Tom is not here. But I just want to, can we put our hands together for Pastor Tom? I know he may watch later. So... When you go through, through life, you pray for people um, that God will send you, especially as a pastor, that will be a bridge for you, that will be a connector to you, that will be a friend to you. Um, I, I know uh, being a pastor it may, is probably one of the most lonely things you could be because although you're surrounded with people all the time and you're ministering to people, you can't always call everyone your friend, right? We are called to be shepherds of the flock. Um, and I've been blessed because in this season when I've needed it most, your pastor, Pastor Tom, has been an incredible friend to me. He has opened the doors of this church to me. We've prayed together here on Tuesdays. Um, he has just been an incredible, incredible counselor, incredible friend, a man of faith. So I, I, I can't speak enough about your pastor. If you don't know, you have an incredible pastor. Amen. I know he's on vacation. Um, and we're going to be praying for him, but I'm, I got to jump into this word. I got to jump into this word. So I know you've been going through the book of Hebrews all year and, um, 
I've listened to the, the live stream, so I know that you all are well-versed on the book of Hebrews. And I just want to do what God has called for me to do and add a little something to what you all already know. As we know, uh, we don't know exactly who wrote this book. We don't know exactly who wrote the letter. Um, but we do know that the person who wrote the letter was writing to uh, Jewish Christians. And they were at a place where they were sort of trying to figure out if they could move forward because they were facing a lot of trials and tribulations. They were being persecuted. And they were at this place that I believe many of us find ourselves in our lives. Do we continue to press forward or do we go back to a place of comfort? Do we continue to push past everything? We know that God has called for us to do this thing and, and we are believing in God, amen. But, but this thing is getting hard, Father. This thing is getting more challenging than I realize. Do, do, do I move forward or for them, do they go back to Judaism? Do, do I keep pushing forward or, or, or do I find a way to compromise my faith because it might be a little easier has anybody been in a place where you have been tempted to to go back because it was a little bit more comfortable one of my favorite bible stories is is of that of jesus walking on water because you see peter who steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on water with with jesus but but there were a lot of disciples who were afraid and they allowed fear to keep them in the boat so I know even as believers, as Christians, I, I know that we say that, you know, we, we believe and we have faith and, you know, faith the size of mustard seed can move a mountain and we, we will say all those things. But there are times like the past year we went through where our faith can be challenged. There's a, there are times where what we've seen politically and socially and when it comes to health, it can challenge who we are. In what we believe. The question I want to pose to you is the same thing that I believe the author of this letter was posing to the people on the other end of this letter. Is are you going to keep pushing forward in those times when it gets challenging? Or are you going to retreat? You see, the thing that I love about what I'm reading in Hebrews is that he begins to do something for them that I believe we need done for us at times. He is not just saying a bunch of stuff, but he is reminding them whose they are and who they are. He's reminding them of their identity. He's reminding them of what was done for them. He's reminding them of the God that they serve. He's reminding them of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is reminding them of the end of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant through Jesus. He is letting them know that, no, I didn't just call you out on the water and I'm going to leave you. No, 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 no. I have called you out here to do something incredible. So the, the author of this letter is reminding them exactly who they are and the foundation in which they stand on. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are this morning? 
I, I know you have to probably look in the mirror in order to get dressed. I see a lot of people got their hair slicked back. I know, you know, I, I, I did my hair this morning for you all. Brushed my hair, brushed my teeth, made sure I didn't have anything in my eyes just because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I looked in the mirror a few times, got a lint brush and made sure I didn't have any lint on. I made sure I knew what I looked like. But spiritually, do you know what you look like? Do you know what your identity is? See, we've been going through this book of Hebrews, and and it's, it's a mirror to us. It should be a mirror to who you are spiritually, about the sacrifice. We've been talking about the sacrifice, the sacrifice that was given to you. We know the difference between the Levitical priest and the sacrifice that they would give over and over again for the same sins over and over again. But we also know on the other end of that, Jesus Christ is also the high priest that gave the sacrifice that was once for all. We also know that from this text. So, This author is trying to get us to understand who we are. In these seasons that we are in, I've been in in a place recently where I've been trying to figure out, do I keep pushing forward or do I go back to Boston? Do I keep pushing forward and starting this church or do I go back to the role that I used to have because it was a little bit more comfortable and I knew what to expect. But do you know what I do in those moments when I when I'm not sure when I'm not really uh, just when I'm not clear as to what I should be doing or if, if I can keep pushing. I stand on his word. I stand on the word of God. You see, the Bible is more than just a book that we have. It's more than than just 66 books that we can just breeze through. No, the Bible is, is something that if you take it, you read it, you apply it, it will change your life forever. It will change your life forever. So, so when, when you're not sure, You need to stand on his word, the word of God. I know many, everybody here, if you are here on the 4th of July, I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that I know you're saved. I know you got it. But I just want to remind you for those seasons in your life when you may find yourself having to push past a dry season, push past and push through a season where, where you're in a place that you didn't expect, when something may be a little bit more difficult. The author here of this text is trying to show them that the word is what they need. The word, not a podcast. Not a self-help book. Not the own network. Not HDTV. When you are up against it, you need the word. You need the word of God. 
Now, 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 when I look at this, I, I know, I know, I know we've looked at everything. Again, we've recapped, and I understand that you all know Hebrew. I mean, I probably can have you come up here, and y'all can tell me more about Hebrews than anybody else because you all have been digging into this thing. But the thing that I want to highlight for you today is, 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 is looking at um, uh, the, the book of um, chapter 10 and looking at verse 15. We're going to look at verse 15 real quick because the first part of this text in uh, uh, verse 11 talks about the sacrifice of the priest. It talks about um, everything that the, the footstool and everything. But then when we get to 15, it speaks about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. Okay. About what? First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. I'm going to park right there for a moment. Because there was a whole bunch of stuff that was just said in that verse. It says, the Holy Spirit also testifies. Let's stay here for a second. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? We know that in John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, but this is Jesus speaking. It says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is the advocate? Who is the advocate? The Holy Spirit. We also know that in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, it says, Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, bat baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and, I sh and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is more than just a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Holy Trinity. Is he's a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of time, we know that the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit didn't just come on a scene um, in Matthew at the day of Pentecost. No. The Holy Spirit, if you go back to the book of Genesis, when it talks about the, the, the Spirit of God hovering over the earth, from the beginning of the story, the Holy Spirit was there. When you go back to the moment that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and it said when, when he went down and came back up, the sky opened, you heard a voice of God saying, this is my son. And who I'm well pleased. And it said that, what, what was there? The Holy Spirit in the form of a... So the Holy Spirit has always been on the scene. Always been there. But what is the Holy Spirit here for you when Jesus ascended into heaven and he spoke to the disciples? There was a reason why he wanted the Holy Spirit to come. Because he knew that you were going to need him in order to do what you have been called to do. You were going to need the Holy Spirit in order to navigate through this life. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that we can be whole and holy. But he didn't stop there. He went on and he sent the Holy Spirit to help us figure out how to navigate through this life life. 
You need the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a Christian, a believer. You cannot be spiritually mature without the Holy Spirit. You can't. Now, growing up, the Holy Spirit freaked me out. This idea of the Holy Spirit, we called it the Holy Ghost in my church when I was growing up. And it freaked me out. I was like, "Uh, I don't know if I want to. I'm like, I'm I don't know about that because when I knew about the Holy Spirit is that the, all of a sudden one of the old mothers in the, in the church would be sitting there and she would get up and start to run around and start praying. I'm like, I don't want that. I'm good. If that's the Holy Ghost, I'm good. Hallelujah for you. That was good for you. But as for me and my house, no. Listen, but the Holy Spirit is something that you must have. You must have it. And we have here, we have here in this text, we see that the Holy Spirit is testifying on our behalf. It's testifying to us. Excuse me. This thing that's living. This thing that's a part of us, helping us guide. And what is it saying? It's saying that this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. Let me stop there. This is the Holy Spirit Okay, and this is actually a reference from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 through 34. So we're looking at it in Hebrews, but, but this author knows his word. The author is not giving his opinion. It's not giving his feeling. He knows his word. If I'm correct, I think that the time span between the, 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 uh, when, when, the, when Jeremiah was written and Hebrew was over about 16, uh, 600 years, excuse me, about 600 year time span. So this author knew the word and he's encouraging his people with the word. Now the covenant that he's talking about is the old covenant being gone and the new covenant being here. I know you know about the new covenant. I know you know about the old covenant. We know that the old covenant were laws that were given to Moses and the new covenant represents the grace that we received through Jesus Christ. We know, I know you know that already. That the old covenant is more based on what we had to do through the sacrifices. And the new covenant is more based on what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. But I know you knew that already. We know that there is, when, when Jesus came and he died, he said it was finished. The old covenant was over and the new covenant began. That's what we know. And the Holy Spirit is testifying to us. About this new covenant that we have. And it says, I will make them, I will make them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my few moments. This idea of your heart. And why is that so important? We know about the Holy Spirit and some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. But where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Where does the Holy Spirit live? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temples? And that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? We also know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of our hearts. Not our physical hearts, but you realize that you have more than one heart. 
right? Oh, I, I, somebody's looking at me like, Pat, this guy, I was with you, Pastor. And now, you, now you're talking about anatomy. You don't know. No, no, I believe that we have more than one heart. Let me tell you how I know we have more than one heart. Outside of even this word, my five-year-old daughter, from the time she was about three years old, from the time that she could speak, when somebody would hurt her, not physically, but hurt her feelings, she would say, Daddy, Ella broke my heart. (laughs) She broke my heart. And I'm looking at her like, what do you know about your heart being broken at three years old? Like, what are you talking about? But, But this speaks to the power of the other heart that you have. The spiritual heart that you have is something that lives inside of you. It's, it's, it's where the Holy Spirit dwells. It's where, it's, it's when you feel convicted about something that you know you should not be doing, when you feel, when you, when you have that thing that's trying to push you back on track, when many of you were in, your, in a place in your life where you were backsliding, when you were not saved and you were in a service just like this, and, and the preacher opened, 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 um, opened a, a, an altar call. That thing that was sort of giving you a nudge. That thing that was making you feel like, oh, man, I, I think I need to get up right now. That, 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 wasn't just, that wasn't just, you know, any emotion. That was, that was the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of you. So you have to understand that that Holy Spirit, the heart, your heart is where the Holy Spirit dwells. Now, now, I wish I had more time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. F- five, five minutes. Can I get five minutes? I'm going to do a bishop. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. This is what's important to know. If, if. God and the Holy Spirit dwell on the inside of you, and this is, your, this is their temple, then the condition of your heart matters. If in the text they're talking about God is saying he is going to write his laws on your hearts and your minds, then the heart and the condition of the heart matters. Many of us spend a lot of time making that, making sure that our physical condition is okay. Making sure that we do our cardio and we work out so that we can have a long life physically. But can I tell you that your spiritual heart matters more than even the physical? And my question for you right now is do you spend as much time on the condition of your spiritual heart as you do your physical? The condition of your heart matters. And let me tell you why I know it matters. Because when we look at Luke chapter 8, Jesus is speaking about the parable of the sower. The parable of the, and it's a, it's a parable about a farmer who was sowing seeds 
on different types of ground. It said he had these seeds and he's sowing seeds on um, one surface and it, the surface was all hard. So the seeds just sat there and the birds of the air came and ate it up. He, he took some seeds and sowed it on that seed and it was rocky. So it said that because the, because the roots couldn't go down deep enough, the sun came and dried it up and killed it. It said he sowed some more seeds on a ground that was thorny, which represents weeds. And those weeds came and choked it out. And then the fourth kind of ground he sowed it on, the soil that he sowed it on was good soil. And that stuff grew and it multiplied over and over and over again. When the disciples asked Jesus what he meant and what the parable meant, he talked about the fact that it was speaking, the seed was the word of God, but the ground was the condition of the heart. The seed was the word of God, but the ground was the condition of the heart. Some of us may not be able to receive the word in our challenging seasons, because, not because the word isn't being preached. Sometimes it's not the pastor's fault. Oh, I just, okay, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the pastor's fault. Is it possible that the word is being sown, but the condition of your heart is the problem? Is it possible that, 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 that the writing on the heart may not be the issue? But is it possible that you, the, the surface in which those words are being sown are the problem? The condition of your heart matters. It matters. It matters. Now, I, I want to go deeper into the conditions of your heart. I want to, but I am not going to because I don't want to be disobedient. But you have to understand that that heart, when your heart is hardened, that has to do with a lot of unforgiveness. Yes. It has to do with a lot of brokenness that you may have experienced. Many of us have a hard heart simply because of things that happened to us in our childhoods. Disappointment that we've experienced. And now we're out of place spiritually as adults and our hearts are hardened. So when somebody's trying to sow a word onto our hearts, we can't receive it. And the enemy will come and eat it up. And now we're left bitter and alone. The second condition is rocky. The rocky soil is, it, it stands for things that stand in the way. Are there things that are in your heart, in your life, that may be getting in the way of the word and the revelation that God has for you? Could that be a person? For y'all single people out there that, 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 that are, are waiting to get married and all this good stuff and you know that God has called for you to do something powerful. But, but you're talking to some people that you know you probably shouldn't be messing with. The people that you don't want your parents to know about. Or the people you only hang out with when it's dark outside so nobody can see what y'all doing. Is it possible that they may be standing in the way of those words taking root in your life? Is it possible that, that the words that are flying out and being sown on your hearts are, are words that, that, that are, that are, on thor, that are um, being sown in thorny, thorny places, which means that you have so much stuff inside your heart that is choking the word out? Literally, the good stuff that is being sown is being choked out? My hope is that words are being sown on the fourth option. 
which is good soil. Because when something is being sown on good soil, it takes root. If you know anything about a tree, we look at the tree and how high it is above ground. But before a tree can grow upward, it has, the root system has to be strong. We look at the, the redwoods in California and how incredible they are. But what's even more incredible is the root system that is underneath the ground that can withstand the weight of what's above it. I'm here to tell you today that if your seeds, if the word of God is sown on good soil, then your root systems will be developed strong enough so that when the winds blow, when the challenging times come, when doubt tries to creep in, when fear tries to put his head up in there, you can stand firm on the word of God and say, I will not be moved. And that's what I want to share with you today. Are you someone who is willing to care about the condition of your heart so much so that in the most challenging times, you can lean on the word and say that I will not be moved. Is there anybody in this room right now? Just show me your hand. If you, are you willing to say that I will not be moved in spite of what it may look like, in spite of what the doctors may say, in spite of what's happening around me, I will not be moved because my foundation is not on anything other than the word of God. I'm going to stop because if I keep going, we're going to be here all day. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. If you're somebody under the sound of my voice right now that you know, you know that you've been in a place over this past year and a half where your faith has been tested. It has been tested. That you have faced things that you never thought you would face before. That you have experienced a certain amount of doubt that you thought was impossible. If that's you, I, wanna, I want you to raise your hand if you're believing that God can make a move in your life right now. If you need God to intercede right now, I want you to raise your hand. I see you. 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 If you know that the enemy has been bothering you, but, but you're here today and you're saying, God, I know you woke me up this morning. And you brought me here today because you needed me to hear this. Because I needed to be encouraged the same way the people in the book of Hebrews needed to be encouraged. I needed this word. I see you. I see you. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for being our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for never leaving us. For not forsaking us. Father, I thank you for making a way, but also sending the Holy Spirit to walk with us as we navigate that way. Father, I'm praying right now over each and every single person who raised their hand this morning that something will have been imparted in them. That, that the words that have been spoken over their life will be seed that falls on good soil. 
And as they leave the sanctuary and go about their day, as they go throughout their week, I am praying, Lord, that you will allow somebody else, whether it be through a song or through your word or through a prayer, to water that seed. And may it grow into something that produces fruit. Fruit that will never, ever, ever fail. We know that you are a God of sustainable fruit. Fruit of generation. So I'm praying that today as they lifted their hand physically, I'm praying that as that hand went up physically, spiritually, chains were breaking. And that they will walk in a freedom, in a deliverance from this day forward. May they declare that fear has no captives here. And may they say that freedom is their song. So Father, we thank you and praise you. We glorify your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let all God's children open their mouths and say amen. Amen. Put your hands together for God. Amen. looking at me like y'all don't want me to stop <laughs> I want you to stand to your feet I know this may be breaking the order of service I want you to stand to your feet if, if whoever's coming forward I just want you to join me in singing this as we just I want to seal this atmosphere I will exalt you I will exalt you I will exalt you. Say, you are my God. You are my God. Let's sing that again. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will. I will exalt you because you are my God. You are my God. This next part says, My hiding place. My hiding place. My safe refuge. My treasure, Lord. You are my friend. the doctors may say I will not fear in spite of what the news may say I will not fear father we trust you we trust you we trust you Lord I will not fear 